for tuning in to the 400th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Eros, Daryl D. Lane, as always. I want to thank you all for tuning in, wherever you are, however you'll be listening, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iRadio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcasting platform you may be listening to me via. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York, per usual. Going to have a great show for you guys. Going to have Cameron DeSilva on, managing editor for the Rams Wire. We talk about everything LA Rams from their Super Bowl run. Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, uh, the whole 10 yards there. We had a great conversation. This pod was uh, recorded probably sometime last week. Uh, just so everybody knows, the Sunday pod going to be pretty NBA heavy. And the next couple pods, we're going to have a 20 for 20 with Ben Karen coming up. So just so you know, uh, and an NBA history as well. So just so you guys know what I kind of have on the mend and what I'm thinking about. Now, before we get to the conversation with Cameron, I'm going to get my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Also share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below. Specifically, if you use Spotify, you can click on the timestamp and we'll send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. Folks, it's for your convenience. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. For some odd reason, right? If you don't like the podcast, it's like, how the hell could that happen? Then don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't. Say it at all and cut him next with the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Cameron De Silva cut him next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us, Cameron DeSilva, managing editor of the Rams Wire. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So first, I have to ask you this. So towards the end of the season, the Rams, they went through a little bit of a funk. They started out really fast, and there was kind of like that little dead period where people were saying, was Stafford hurt? I think people were talking about the back. And then they kind of got it together, and then they ended up going on that run in the postseason. Kind of, can you just kind of explain that that time where it seemed like they were going down and then they kind of re-peaked for the postseason? Yeah, that was no-win November for them. They went 0-3 in November, uh, three-game losing streak. They lost to the Titans, 49ers, and Packers. Uh, really, it was kind of just a combination of Stafford not playing well. The running game wasn't working very well. Uh, the defense was, was struggling to stop um, stop those three teams. And uh they just looked like a team that wasn't going to compete necessarily for a Super Bowl this season. If, if Stafford kept continuing to play the way that he did, they had, uh, they had seven total turnovers in that span. Um, obviously, they turned it over a bunch down the stretch, too, where, where Stafford led the NFL in interceptions. Uh, they had two picks in the Super Bowl. But during those games, they just they couldn't overcome those mistakes, which, uh, which set them back a little bit. What do you think, do you think Staff? how hurt do you think Stafford was during that time? I think he was banged up. Um, I mean, he's never someone to make excuses with, with injuries and 
uh, ailments that he has with his body. But I think he was a little bit banged up, and, and the back might have been a little bit of an issue, and he popped up on the injury report a couple of times. Um, but he's not going to use that as an excuse for why he played poorly and why he was making these bad throws. And honestly, some of the some of the interceptions weren't exactly his fault. One went off of Tyler Higby's hands and uh, just being too aggressive a couple of times. But um, I wouldn't doubt that he had some injury issues going on. So let's go to the wild, wild card weekend against the Cardinals. How shocked were you after they just destroyed Arizona? A, a pretty solid Arizona team and just destroyed them they had no answer and it's kind of like okay like this team is really for real how shocked were you that that happened i honestly wasn't that shocked um as the postseason kind of progressed i got more confident in the rams especially after seeing them beat the cardinals but i didn't think the cardinals were that great of a team i think they really regressed as the season went on without deandre hopkins kyler murray wasn't playing well um and the rams have had their number for five years other than that one game that the cardinals won in week four of this season. Um, so I wasn't really surprised. I mean, obviously when you win by 20 something points in the playoffs, it's kind of surprising, but I wasn't at all shocked to see them win that game. Um, it, it was, I mean, it was what I kind of expected to see from the Rams, uh, to open the postseason, even after that, that disappointing loss in week 18 to the 49ers. And then they follow that up with really against the Buccaneers, like really dominated Tampa besides like, some stretch in that fourth quarter where it's kind of like they almost pissed away that game. But for the most, it, it's crazy. I don't know. Tampa had like four to turnover, something crazy like that. And they still almost won. Like to dominate a team. Uh, no, no, the Rams did. The Rams have like four turnovers or whatever. And they have four turnovers and still win. That just shows like how dominant you are in that game. Cause that's not supposed to happen by any metric. Yeah, absolutely. There were, I mean, there were a bunch of stats that, show just how rare it is for a team to turn the ball over four times and still win a playoff game. Rams were something like the the third or fourth team to ever do that, and it was like the first time that Tom Brady had ever lost a game where his team forced four turnovers. So really, really rare stuff um, from that performance. And the Rams, I mean, mean, like you said, they dominated the Buccaneers in the first half and into the third quarter, and then things just fell apart with – four lost fumbles, which you never really see in a game nowadays. Um, just uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic mistakes. Matt Gay leaves a, a 47-yard field goal short, which you never expect to see. Um, but they fortunately got it turned around. Stafford and Cup saved the game with that deep shot uh, with a few seconds left and uh, punched the, ticket, the, the Rams ticket to the conference title game. So were you more confident or less confident heading into the NFC Championship game? Because you can look at that Buccaneers game from two angles. You can look at it like, oh, my God, we almost pissed this lead away. Like, there's no way it shouldn't have been this close. Like, if a couple things go differently, maybe Tampa actually kind of steals one and sneaks one out on us. Or, you know, it happens, we survive, we advance. Like, what was your mindset? Yeah, I, I thought I honestly was confident going into that 49ers game, too. I, I mean, in the playoffs, a lot of success comes down to quarterback play. And the Rams obviously had an edge in that department with, with Stafford over Jimmy Garoppolo. And um, even when they were trailing at halftime, I felt confident the Rams were going to come back and win that game. Um, they just looked like the better team. It was just a couple of mistakes. That interception by Stafford in the red zone cost them a little bit. Um, Cooper Cup had a dropped pass. Ben Skoranek had a dropped pass in the end zone. So they were honestly playing they were playing better than the score indicated. It was just a matter of taking care of those errors and, and cleaning things up in the second half, which they did. 
How rewarding do you think it was for McVay to get that win over Shanahan and the 49ers? Because everybody keeps saying, oh, Shanahan has McVay's number. Shanahan has McVay's number. Obviously, they swept him during the regular season. I think he was like 6-0 coming into this game against them, or he won like six straight games, something crazy like that. So how rewarding do you think that was to kind of get that monkey off their back a little bit? Yeah, I think it was six in a row, and um, that had to be kind of fulfilling and, and satisfying for McVay and the, and the Rams to beat the 49ers finally. Um, the 49ers were a good team. They just didn't have the complete roster and the, the quarterback leadership and talent to, to take them to that next step. Um, I, I thought the Rams were the better team all along, and even in other matchups where the Rams played the 49ers, I thought they had a good shot to beat them. Um, it's just... For, for whatever reason, the 49ers running game and their defensive front gives the Rams trouble. Um, so they finally got it got it on track and, uh, and knocked the 49ers off. So into the Super Bowl, what were your thoughts on that matchup? I like the Rams in that one too. Um, I thought it was going to really the biggest matchup in that game was the Rams pass rush against the, the, the Bengals offensive line and it was one that really favored Los Angeles and um, it kind of went as expected. Aaron Donald was in the backfield constantly. Ashawn Robinson dominated in the running game. Von Miller was all over Joe Burrow. He had two sacks. So I think that was kind of the matchup that defined everything in, in that game. Um, I thought Jalen Ramsey was going to play better. He gave up a few big plays. and um, I, I thought the, the Bengals were really going to target Darius Williams on the outside with, with T. Higgins, given that size matchup. But it was, it was Jalen Ramsey who gave up most of the yardage, which surprised me. And that's kind of what kept the Bengals in the game, those two big plays to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Um, obviously, that one to Higgins, they kind of missed a, a face pass penalty on Higgins. But um, the Rams were obviously the better team in that one and, and deserved to win it. And I was, uh, I was happy to see them. Did the Bengals hold? Particularly in the fourth quarter, uh, I'm forgetting the linebacker's name, number 55, I think, last drive. Oh, uh, on Cooper Cup? Yes. No, I don't, I don't think that was a penalty at all. That was, uh, that was uh, uh, the way that the game went um, the entire time. I think there were only a few penalties, and then they got into that, that red zone down the stretch in the, in the final minutes, and there was something like three or four penalties called. And that one on Logan Wilson against Cooper Cup was, was absolutely not a foul. I honestly thought the one before that on Daryl Henderson over the middle was more of a penalty, which didn't get called. That's not the reason that the Bengals lost the game, but obviously that's a huge one. If uh, if they don't call a penalty there, it's fourth and goal for the Rams season, and if they don't get it, they're, they're, uh, the Bengals are winning the Super Bowl. So do you have any pushback on Cooper Cup winning Super Bowl MVP? I know there was a lot of talk. I think there were some people, a lot of people, a lot of support for Aaron Donald. Uh, some people said Matthew Stafford. Do you think he was the right choice for Super Bowl MVP? I thought they could have done co-MVPs with Donald and Cup. Um, the way that they really just came alive in the fourth quarter. Cup had it. I mean, he was having a good game, but he had something like four catches and that key fourth down run um, in, on that final drive, which really lifted the Rams to that win. I, would, I still would have given... MVP to Cooper Cup over Matthew Stafford, um, but I think they could have done co-MVPs with Aaron Donald and, uh, and, and Cooper Cup. So the Rams did this a different way. They were kind of like screw picks. Uh, we want top guys now. We want Von Miller. We want Matthew Stafford. We want Odell Beckham. The way the Rams did, do you think the Rams have kind of laid out a, bl- a blueprint that maybe there's kind of a different way to go about things, how you build and construct a team? I would say that they have come up with a different way 
it to build and construct a team, but I don't think it's necessarily a blueprint that other teams should or will follow. Um, it takes a lot of t- eye for talent, which the Rams have with Les Snead and Sean McVay. They're able to identify veteran players who are going to come in and fit their scheme and have success, like Jan- Jalen Ramsey, um, Yvonne Miller, Odell Beckham, Matthew Stafford, Marcus Peters, Akeem Tlaib, Brandon Cooks. I mean, all these guys had success with the Rams. And if you're trading draft picks to get guys like that, you be- they better fit your scheme and, the- and they better – um, have success because if you miss on those guys, it's going to throw off your whole plan and, and whole uh, whole setup for making a Super Bowl run. I don't think necessarily we're going to see teams just throw away draft picks for veterans all the time now, just because the Rams had success doing it. But it's definitely a fun way and an interesting way to build a roster, and, and it worked with them winning a Super Bowl. How much of a threat do you think the Rams are to repeat? I think they have a good chance. Free agency is gonna is gonna play a big role in that because it, they do have a bunch of starters who are gonna be free agents: Darius Williams, Von Miller, Odell Beckham, Brian Allen, Austin Corbett, Sebastian Joseph Day. I mean, the list goes on of key players who are gonna become free agents. And right now, the Rams are twenty something million over the cap. Um, obviously, they can get back under with restructures and extensions and by cutting and trading players, but they're not necessarily flush with cap cap space, which isn't going to surprise anyone given the roster that they have. Um, so if they can bring back someone like Von Miller and keep the offensive line intact with Allen and, and Austin Corbett, I think they have a good shot to repeat. So I want to get into Matthew Stafford. How much do you think there's vindication for that Matthew Stafford for golf trend? I know there were a lot of there was a lot of criticism about Stafford. People always said, oh, he can't win the big one. I know Rob Parker who was in the he, he he will die on the hill that Matthew Stafford isn't that good. There's a lot of people that feel that way, but how much vindication do you think it is for Stafford? You know, to have that game winning drive, to perform well in the big moments, to come through that postseason run. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, yeah, I think it was a game winning drive in each of the Rams' last three wins. So um, for him to just, I mean, he's been clutch all all throughout his career. He has the most game winning drives of anyone since he came into the NFL um, in '09. So it's really something that he's always done. But to do that on the biggest stage in the Super Bowl against the 49ers in the NFC title game, against Tom Brady and the Bucks in the divisional round, that's huge. Um, really, there's nothing left for him to prove uh, to, make, to, to, to make this trade worth it for the Rams. They traded for him, and they won a Super Bowl in their first season with him. So, um, I mean, really not much else you can do other than to win another Super Bowl and a third one. But... Um, I think this Super Bowl win was really vindication of and, uh, and certification of this trade being a win for the Rams. Why do you think there is so much Matthew Stafford hate? I think they saw him in Detroit as someone who had Calvin Johnson and that made the Super or made the playoffs three times, never won a game, and they see him putting up these hollow numbers um, by by putting up numbers in garbage time and. When the game's out of reach, throwing these these uh, these touchdown passes when the, the Lions were already going to lose, I think they watched that and kind of felt that he uh, that he didn't necessarily earn all of the yards and the touchdown passes that he that he gained and, and put together. Um, but seeing him on a great team like this Rams roster, it it really validated um, what what a lot of people believe Stafford could do if he did get surrounded by more talent. Where would you put Stafford in terms of the echelon of quarterbacks in the NFL right now? 
Um, I would put him up up there in the top ten, maybe on the fringe of top five. Um, obviously, you have guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, who are still great. Aaron Rodgers, the reigning MVP. So there's a lot of talent at, at quarterback right now in the NFL. Stafford, uh, I mean, it's hard to put him necessarily in the top five when you lead the league in interceptions and you make some of the mistakes that he did. I think he had three pick sixes this season. Um, so it's it's tough to put him up there in the top five, top three. But I, w- I would certainly put him in the top ten because of what he accomplished this year and the way that he played, the arm talent that he has, these no-look passes, just the sheer ability that he possesses. Uh, I think he's a top ten quarterback. What's the thing in terms of Matthew Stafford's play that stands out most to you when you watch him? Um, I, I think just the way that he's able to uh, move within the pocket and keep his eyes downfield and throw these passes with different arm angles and um, off-platform on the move and no-look pass. I mean, the, the no-look pass that he threw to Cooper Cup on the, on the game-winning drive was unbelievable. He's He draws the safety down to the tight end and throws it exactly where he was before he, he, uh, before he threw the ball. And he completes it to Cooper Cup for uh, for a 22-yard gain. So, just the the arm talent that he has is is so it, it's so impressive to watch. How do you think Stafford helped the Rams get over the hump in ways that a Jared Goff couldn't? I think their confidence in Stafford on third and long and and, and just on third down in general, they they improved on third and long considerably compared to uh, to Jared Goff's last season. And uh, that's the trust that Sean McVay has that Stafford is not only going to complete the pass, but avoid costly turnovers and and uh, be able to, to throw the ball accurately and, and to complete these passes under pressure on third down when teams know that it's most likely going to be a pass. That's not something Jerry Goff did consistently enough. Is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? Not right now, no. I, I, I mean... To have one Pro Bowl, no All-Pros, and a Super Bowl, I don't think that that is enough to put him in the Hall of Fame right now. He's got to probably continue this streak of, uh, of putting up big numbers, make a, a, another Pro Bowl or two, earn at least a second-team All-Pro selection. Um, that, I think, would possibly put him in, but right now I wouldn't say he is, no. So a lot more work. How, how many more Super Bowls do you think he would need? Um, I mean, it depends. If, if he reaches another two, three Super Bowls and only wins one of them, I think that's fine. I think that's enough to, to put him in there. And as long as he's having the individual success, too, of, of being an all-pro and being a, 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 say, three, four-time pro bowler, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would imagine there aren't many quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame that only have one or two pro bowl selections. And, I mean, especially given the way that, that that whole process is, it's a popularity contest and um, it seems so easy to get into the Pro Bowl with guys pulling out all the time and, and not wanting to play. But if he makes another two, three Super Bowls and wins one, I think that could be enough to put him in. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the Pro Bowl is a harder gauge. I, I would say you probably have to start taking out the Pro Bowl in terms of Hall of Fame consideration because the Pro Bowl kind of has become a joke. Because, yeah, like, yeah. Josh Allen wasn't voted in the Pro Bowl this year. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it's a popularity contest, and I, I wouldn't put a ton of value in it, but... A lot of these voters, they see the individual accolades and they want to know that he was one of the best quarterbacks during his era. And uh, if you don't have Pro Bowl selections, it's not necessarily going to do enough for these voters to put you in. 
Now, I want to go to Aaron Donald. Is he coming back? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, with him and McVay, I think it could be just uh, a matter of using the threats of retirement as leverage to get a new contract. And I think Donald probably wants to be the highest paid defensive player again. Um, I would imagine he's not going to retire just knowing the way that he works and the time that he puts in to this game. Um, I, I think he'll be back. So when you mentioned they both might want contract extensions, does that mean like if they come back, like particularly Donald, like he could be back for a few more years? Not not just like this is a one and done thing, like a last ride thing. Like he could be back for two, three more years. Oh yeah, he's only I mean he's only thirty years old, so he's got plenty of football ahead of him, and he's he's shown no signs of slowing down at all. So um, there's no reason to believe that he can't continue to play at an all pro level for at least two, three, four more years. So where do you think Aaron Donald ranks in terms of defensive players to ever play? He's up there. I mean, you got Reggie White as far as defensive tackles go. Warren Sapp is up there. Um, Lawrence Taylor. Uh, I mean, there are so many great defensive players that have played in the NFL throughout their careers and throughout the history of this league. But Donald's top 10, I would say. Um, I mean, just the way that he dominates on the interior and with his lack of size and his quickness and I mean, he, he's so he's such a good pass rusher in every facet of that of that part of the game. It's I mean, it's unbelievable to watch. You think he's the best player in the NFL right now? Yeah, I, w- I would put him up there. Yeah, regardless um, of position, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't say he's most valuable because quarterback is still the most important position. But um, I would put him up there as the best player in the, in, in the NFL right now. When was the first time you ever saw Aaron? Or maybe it was in Pittsburgh when you were like, this guy's just different. Like, this is going to be a long time of a lot of all pros. Like, when was that moment for you? Yeah, it was probably earlier in his career um, with the Rams. I wasn't covering the Rams at that time, but um, just seeing his quickness off the ball on the inside, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable to watch because you don't expect a guy that big to be able to move that quickly and get into the backfield so so instantly after the ball is snapped and um, I mean just watching his highlights it's it's fun to see um, how quickly he blows up a play whether it's against the run or the pass I mean he's such a such a valuable uh, player against both parts of, of an opposing offense I think the thing for me what makes Aaron so special and you can tell me what you think of this I, I think it's because you're looking at a guy's like what six foot 280, small for an interior defensive lineman, but just the twitchiness and the explosiveness of a guy that's an outside linebacker, but like the raw power and the strength of a guy who's like a 340-pound nose tackle. Yeah, it's it's an unbelievable combination. I mean, he can bull rush a, a big offensive guard right into the lap of the quarterback. He can go around them with a quick like uh, club chop, a move like that, and these these hop steps that he uses. I mean, he, he can do every move in the book. He doesn't spin much, but just the hand usage and the quickness, it's uh, it's rare to have a player with, with that combination that he does have. And you would think, too, at his size, you wouldn't think he'd be as powerful as he was. And he's every bit as powerful like <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like he's, like you said, it's not like he's a, a 340-pound nose tackle. He's 280, 285, and has the power of a, of a 330-pound nose tackle. 
So that's those for me. The, the, like I'm looking at Aaron, and I think that's what like people did that for Ed Oliver. They did like the Aaron Donald comp, and I was like, yeah. you can't make an a- Aaron Donald comp because people said about Ed Oliver, he was like the kind of had a little bit of the same measurables. And I was like, there's no way you can expect somebody that size to have that twitchiness and to have that raw power. Like you, you just can't expect that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's not something that it's not something any other player really has right now. So Cooper Cup's season this year, triple crown. Any debate, best wide receiver in the NFL? I don't think so. Um, I mean, certainly the most productive and efficient. I think you can probably put Tyreek Hill up there as maybe the best. Same with Devontae Adams, just because they have different skill sets than what Cup offers. Cup isn't going to jump over guys and make these spectacular catches or necessarily run by anyone for for a 95-yard touchdown the way that Tyreek Hill can, but just all around, I think he's he's the best uh, wide out in the league right now. And his blocking. They use him kind of like a tight end sometimes. Yeah, he's all, all around. He's such a good wide receiver, such a valuable player. Um, the way that he blocks either on the edge or against the cornerback on a running play, he can do it all, really. And, and when you kind of talk about Aaron Donald being a powerful man for his size, like I, I can only imagine how what Cooper Cup lifts, because if you trust him to be at the end of the line of scrimmage like a tight end as a wide receiver, like, this dude has to be pretty freaking strong. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to be strong to stand up against some of these edge rushers or, honestly, some of the most athletic players in the NFL right now. So, um, a lot of, the Rams have a lot of trust in Cooper to, uh, to hold up against those guys. How do you think the Rams were able to adjust this year when Robert Woods got hurt? It really was a matter of getting Odell Beckham integrated into the offense. and They're different receivers and play different roles. And Robert Woods is more of a blocker and possession receiver and does the dirty work. And Odell is just an explosive player who can make plays in the open field, make defenders miss, go up and, and make spectacular catches over guys. And we saw his value in the red zone with some of the uh, some of the fades that they ran with him and it it really uh it really benefited the offense to have a dynamic receiver like that so whitworth von miller mcveigh odell are all these guys coming back is it a foregone conclusion no no definitely not a foregone conclusion especially with whitworth he's leaning towards retirement um it'll be tough to get him back and i think he at the age of 40 going out on top as a super bowl champion walter payton man of the year i think it's it's assumed that he's going to retire. Von Miller, I don't know what they're going to be able to do with him. He's probably going to want to test the, test the open market and free agency. Um, and then we'll have to see with Donald and, and Sean McVay, but I think those two will be back. What about Odell? Odell, is he's an interesting case because now that he tore his ACL, I don't know what his value is going to be in free agency. I don't know if a team is going to give him a chance, if he's even going to play next season. I mean, he tore his ACL really as late in a season as you possibly can doing so in the middle of February. So you figure that even if that's an eight-month, nine-month recovery, that puts him on track for, say, October, November. Um, so that's half a season. I don't know how much he's going to he's gonna cost the team, but I would think that the Rams are going to try to bring him back, especially with uh, with the way that he, he loved playing with this offense and, and being in L.A. Yeah, I'm sure he loved playing with Matthew Stafford much more than Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I'm sure. That's for sure. Uh now, Vaughn, do you think Vaughn would take a discount to come back? He might. I mean, he's at the point in his career where he doesn't necessarily need to uh, to go for that huge lucrative contract. And if he wants to chase another ring, I don't think there's really a better team out there that he can do that with than the Rams. 
and Whitworth, you said he's leaning towards not coming back. What would have to happen for Whitworth to be like, okay, I'll come back for one more year? <laughs> That's a good question. I have no idea, but um, I mean, it's really a storybook ending for him if he wants to, to retire this season. He beats his former team in the Super Bowl, wins Walter Payton Man of the Year, is 40 years old. He's the, the oldest player ever to win their first Super Bowl at, at 40. Um, so really, now seems like the right time for him to to call it quits and, and ride off into the sunset. McVay, you said you think he'll be back next year, but obviously, I think I was reading one report, like he's going to get $15 million if he wants to do broadcasting. Do you see him staying in this game for a long time? Like, if he's the Rams coach five years from now, would you be surprised? Would you expect that? I, I could see it five years from now. I don't think he's someone who's going to stick around for another 15, 20 years as an NFL coach, especially with the way that he's talking about wanting to start a family and, and uh, start that chapter of his life. And if he can go make almost double the money broadcasting and doing, say, a quarter of the work that a coach would do, probably even less than that, um, that's that's something that's tough to pass up, especially after winning a Super Bowl already. So he reached the pinnacle, and uh, if he wants to go into something else, then it might be uh, it might be something he wants to do. Where does McVay rank for you in terms of head coaches in the NFL right now? Because now he has the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, I mean, he's, he's one of the best. As far as offensive game planning and um, setting his players up to, uh, to have success and uh, just overall being a, a guy that players want to play for, I mean, he's top five, I'm, without a doubt, I would say. Um, just the way that he, he brought everyone together. He integrated guys like Von Miller, Odell Beckham, all the injuries that the Rams had to overcome during the season. Um, I mean, few coaches can, can do what he does. The Rams OC position, who's taking over for that? It seems like it's going to be Liam Cohen, who uh, was their assistant quarterbacks coach a couple of years ago, went to Kentucky to be their offensive coordinator, and it, it, it looks like he's coming back. So how do you think that's going to play itself out? Yeah, really the offensive coordinator position with the Rams is, is more about game planning and not necessarily play calling because that's something McVay is going to do himself. Um, but he's obviously got familiarity having been in, been with the Rams already. So uh, it'll just be getting him acclimated with uh, with being that kind of uh, middle ground coach between McVay and then uh, Matthew Stafford. Now you mentioned that the former OC was Kevin O'Connell. How do you think he's going to do in Minnesota? I mean, it's an interesting hire because he's only been in a, a play caller on offense for, for one year when he was with Washington. Didn't do that at all with the Rams, but, um, I mean, he's been around McVay for the past two years and worked closely with, with uh, Matthew Stafford, and um, I see him being a good coach in the NFL. He's, he's got a, a great offensive mind, and um, having learned from McVay for the past two years, I think that'll suit him well. And you mentioned this, obviously, you know, you're not calling the plays if you're the OC with the Rams, McVay is, but depending on how much for say you're having in the game plan, like, you're still doing stuff. It's like, just because you're not calling the plays doesn't mean, like, you're not doing anything. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, you're helping with game planning, you're helping work with the quarterbacks, and uh, when the defense is on the field, you're the guy who Matthew Stafford is talking to about the, the previous drive, and while McVay is focused on the defense a little bit, so it's still an important role. Raheem Morris, do you think he could be a potentially be a head coaching candidate next year? Yeah, yeah. I was surprised that he didn't get more looks this season. 
um, or this offseason after seeing what the Rams did defensively, even even going from the number one ranked off defense to um, to dropping a little bit this season. Um, I think he's a, he's a great defensive coach, and the way that he he adapted and kind of uh, changed things up throughout the season was impressive. Cameron, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. Thanks for having me on again. And once again, I want to thank Cameron De Silva for coming on the pod. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 400th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.